What's up, good people? Thank you for taking the time and listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. Please, go visit the M-W Tactical store at www.m-wtactical.com forward slash store and help support our efforts by purchasing a shirt or two. If you haven't done so, go follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for M-W Tactical. All right, good people, we're back at it again. Another installation of the M-W Tactical Podcast with, what, the second, third week of being quarantined, I guess you could say. But either way you look at it, the mad scientist is back with me. What's going on, Dave? What's up, Mike? I'm. Uh, we're surviving the quarantine. I don't, I don't really get the uh, benefits of a quarantine. I'm going to work every day. But... <laughs> Uh, that's okay i'm glad i can go to work honestly hey that's it right there um we had a lot that happened and did not happen over the past two weeks Um, Um, yes we had a couple local matches the area two match in florida we were supposed to do got pushed to the right so they rescheduled that to august as of now um area six that one yeah the area six match yeah um i'm not sure about shooting in florida during august that's, that, what I said. that's gonna be tough that's exactly what i said because <laughs> that heat and humidity oh my goodness and if you already don't drink water on a regular oh man it's gonna get you even more you know we'll see how that pans out yeah so this past weekend though i did get a chance to go up to um sand hill and shot their classifier match and um, I was actually, at first, I didn't want to do it because, you know, I just made Bravo um, B-Class. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I went to do it, because my buddy from Atlanta, Solomon, he decided he wanted to come down and shoot it. So I was like, all right, I'll go shoot it with you. Oh, good. I'm glad I'm glad you got him come out. Oh, yeah. So I got a little bit of video of him shooting. And um, it's, it was a unique experience. You know, um, it was fun overall. So, so that was probably, you know, classifiers are a lot different than field courses, but that may have been a good way to introduce him to, you know, somewhat of what we do with USPSA. That was probably pretty good for him. Yeah. Um, I think it would have been easier for him to actually shoot a regular match think and, so. and explain the classifiers to him because when I was trying to explain everything to him, he's the type of person when you talk, to him about something as soon as like if i'm talking to you right now and i took a breath right there to finish my sentence when i'm taking that breath he'll jump in and just say whatever he's not going to allow you to finish saying what you're saying so you can get the full thought across and now he's going to confuse himself without hearing you all the way out and then he gets frustrated okay yeah so some i could see that now that i think about it some of those classifiers have a lot of specific you know, rules you have to follow with the way you shoot it, shoot them. Correct. Yeah, maybe that's not as good as I thought. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. He, At least he, he came out. It. Yeah, but yeah, he had fun with it. But the best part about this one, um, they had two of the um, what the nineteen series classifiers out there. Yeah, and those were like stage runs. So yeah, I yeah. Look at those as classifiers, but they was they was fun overall. Um, on. Let me see. When I look at all of them, it was five classifiers all together. 
and I had two B runs and let me correct. Nope, three B runs and one C run, and I zeroed one out. Okay. And the one that I zeroed out was the one I did the previous week at Mid Carolina. And I did that one in a B run also. But this time when I did the reload coming around the barricade, which was um, 3V, that was the name of the classifier, 1902. Mm -hmm. Nope, nope, I'm sorry. Um, was that it? No, 0304. That was the classifier, 3V. And um, coming around the barricade and doing the reload, I didn't seat the magazine all the way in. And when I went to present the firearm, the magazine fell out. So I had to throw another magazine in. And yeah, that ruined it. Yeah, so I was like, that was like two seconds added to my time right there. So when I got finished shooting that final array, I just went ahead and just dumped like six, seven extra rounds. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well. Make sure your gun's working all right. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, let me go ahead and zero this out so it's not going to harm anything I already have. Um, even though you need 75% to get to um, A class, but I'm sitting at 61, 62% right now, which is did a class. Did you pick up any more points, though, with your B class runs? Uh, yeah. Um, like I said, those other runs, I had three other classifier that same day that was B class and I had the one C class run. Good. Yeah. What, what did you say? What percentage are you at now? What'd you say? 70 something? No, no, like uh, 61 or 66. Six, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but you need like that 75 to get A class and limited. Okay. Yeah. So, and then, like I said, the one that I zeroed out um, at Sand Hill the day prior was mid Carolina and I did that same classifier um there. So yeah, I got so that's fine. That one. yeah so I was like yeah I'm I'm good either way I looked at it. Well good. Because by being the same one it won't count twice anyway. No it won't. Yeah. But um overall it was fun. So that was that match. And then like I said the day before was mid Carolina and that was a pretty solid run for the, how they had the stages set up and everything. And, of course, you know, this was the match that me and Lucky, the South Carolina coordinator for USPSA, we had a, a healthy wage going into okay. local matches. So That's fun. Oh, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> the, the local matches, it's just smack talking between him and I because, you know, like his squad of people in Augusta, they run the green gun challenge. So who yeah. In their squad, they have their little trophy, which is the green gun. And um, me and Lucky, we're talking and planning out how we're going to do this. But I want to go ahead and formulate it to where as people can place a bet on who's going to win or who they think is going to win a match. And once again, it's just going to be bragging rights between him and I. But all the money that we raise, we're going to donate it to um, – Mid Carolina's Toys for Tots run that Miss Linda actually handles. Oh man, that's great! I actually um, contacted her a few weeks ago to let her know um, my interest as a match director at CSRA Shooters. Um, mm -hmm. I just want to see if I can participate as as a club at, at the Toys for Tots match this year. 
I, I don't know. We haven't really worked anything out yet, but I was just kind of thinking maybe the club could sponsor a stage and we could staff it. And I don't know, just I'm interested in helping out. I think it's a great thing. Yeah. Um, she told me she spoke with you, but she didn't go into detail about it. But um, but like I said, she puts a lot of energy into the sport of USPSA so we can have a quality match in the area. She and definitely does. Yeah, and I'm like, she is an asset that is very valuable within shooting sports. Yeah, there's not many like her. Oh, yeah. So, you know, going into, um, and you know I'm going to have to do this. So, um, lucky if you're listening, my phone is turned off. So, for the next four days. So. <laughs> but the challenge between Lucky and myself um, at Mid-Carolina. Mm. Um, in the limited division, I came in seventh place, so I was like 73% of um, Wally, who actually took first place in um, that match. And then Lucky came in 14th place, which put him at um, just under 60% um, under Wally. Man. Yeah, but he had – I want to say he had – Excuses? No, 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 no. no, no. He didn't have excuses. I want to say he had like um, a malfunction or something, or it was something that slowed him down one stage. And I'm not really clear on it. You know what I'm saying? So, um, and I think it got into his mind and it just trickled downhill after that. Oh, it happens, man. It can if you let it. Yeah, yeah. And you know, like uh, Lucky is, um, he's a big analyzer also. So if it didn't go right and if it plays on his mind and he thinks too much about it, of course, it's going to roll downhill for him. But a win is a win, Lucky, and I'm taking that. that. So for those of you who follow me on Instagram, you can go to at Munitions Weapons Tactical or just go to the website, www.m-wtactical.com. Click on the Follow Me tab, and then you can follow me on Instagram from that page of the website. And if you go on Instagram, you will see a video that I put up, whereas the score is one to zero my way in the Mike and Lucky chat. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like I said, the um, Mid-Carolina match was a very fun match. And those are the only two matches that we have to um, – <clears throat> to really talk about because everything else has been canceled because of the Corona pandemic that's going on. It has. Yeah. And um, I've been kind of, I haven't shot a ma- local match in a while. I've been, it was kind of my intentions this year anyway, right. uh, to, to get more practice in and um, do some more training and, and skip a few of the local matches. But I guess it, that's kind of working out. I actually just came in, you know, from some practice, out back and I'm going to do this podcast and then head to work. But um, I don't know, different schedule, but I'm still trying to practice as much as I can. Keep, keep the the skills going. Yeah. What my plan is, is um, of course I'm doing um, house chores. So I'm going to finish up painting today on the first stair side of my house. And then on the second stair side of my house, going into El Cabanino, that's what I call my, I don't call it a man cave, but I call it El Cabanino. Um, it's my reload room. Okay. Yeah, so the stairs going up to El Cabanino, I'm going to start painting that probably um, today or tomorrow, you know. And then after that, 
all I got to do is really paint the kitchen and my daughter's room, the little assistant's room, and I'll be done. Then I'll be working on the outside. Yeah, good. I, I can't stand painting. I'm glad you're finishing up soon. It's actually therapeutic. And this is like outside of doing it in the military because, you know, in the military, it's just, hey, we need 10 people to go paint this wall. You just throwing paint up there. You don't know what you're doing. Nobody's <laughs> really teaching you. Just trial by error. <laughs> you know. So, um, like I said, after I started doing it, like my house, it it's just like reloading in a sense. It was therapeutic to me. Whereas, you know, it gave me time to think and you know have some more ideas. Came up with some more stages in the process of thinking like that as well. Hey, well, that's good. I'm glad there are people like you. <laughs> so, no, I don't have to do it. <laughs> well, I'm not trying to profit off of this. Ain't nowhere in the world I can make that. <laughs> but that's what it is. But um, but yeah, now you actually did um some training before we decided to take the week off with Keita Bussy. How did that go for you? I did. We we called it the Corona class. Um, because we were, <laughs> it was right before, um, you know, stuff was starting to happen here in the States and everyone, we had a, uh, military guy with us and he was getting updates and he, they were, uh, you know, getting locked down and then, you know, travel was, was postponed and everybody was trying to figure out how they were going to get home after this class, but, but the class went really well. It was, um, you know, she was on the, the last podcast and it was movement based um she definitely helped me with my shooting you know she she's a shooter she knows what to look for and she was able to help me with some things but she really pointed out a lot of good stuff or that i need uh more work on movement wise and um that's what i've been working on you know trying she gave me some some drills and things um to work on actually just came in from running some agility ladder drills. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never done that before, so that was interesting. I managed not to trip and fall the first time out, so success. <laughs> so now, um, when you went to her class, she stated to me beforehand, like she sets up a stage so she can run you through the stage, but you know certain things that she's specifically looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when you did that stage, did they time it? And then did you do it again after doing a couple of the drills and everything of what you, what she expressed to you that you need to look out for and compare it to the times? Yeah. So it was two day class and the way the, the first day worked, um, which I'm, she is probably the way most of her classes work because she's getting to know everyone and their, uh, you know, their shooting skills at that point. Um, so it was a little, generic kind of to begin with um but we set up a stage and uh without any kind of direction um she just told you you know figure it out shoot it like you would at a a regular match and uh, she was observing and she's you know started you on the timer and uh recorded time and was just observing what you were doing your movements um you know whatever you were doing and she made some mental notes and and uh she just wrote down time and if there were any major errors like uh failure to engage a target or mics or you know major stuff the score really wasn't important as long as you're hitting the targets and engaging everything that's you know what we were focused on and then we had some drills set up in a adjacent bay 
Uh, after everyone shot the stage and got times recorded, we all we kind of took turns and went over to the next bay and worked on some of these drills. She demoed the drills and showed us, you know, the point of this drill. And we, and we shot it for, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. And then we went back to the stage that we had set up and we just did that particular drill where it related to that stage it, with dry fire uh, movement stuff. We... Um, different drills. If you were leaving a, uh, a corner of the stage real hard, you had a hard exit. We were doing drills on hard exits on the bay over. And then we went back to the actual stage and we're, we're working on that hard exit that we had just been practicing. And we went back and forth like that with different drills throughout the day. And toward the end of the day, we all came back together on this stage that we started on the morning and we shot it again, trying to implement, you know, the, uh, the, the, skills and stuff that we've been practicing throughout the day and again recorded time and you know any major penalties or anything like that but it was it was interesting and um i definitely need needed that class uh my movement is where i'm struggling the most um i got a lot out of it and got a lot to work on now um now you did say your movement you needed to work on your movement but by you having a new gun that you already said was faster as far as the timing and everything mm -hmm. compared to the previous firearm. Um, do you think that probably slowed you down in a sense or helped you out in a sense? Uh, well, it kind of helped out that we didn't score points. So, <laughs> 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 oh, so I, yeah, I, I took a new gun out there um, on purpose. I wanted, you know, it was a good opportunity to put some rounds through it, not in competition. I just, you know, just want to make sure everything's running okay. And it, I had a couple of hiccups the first day with the gun. And then the second day it ran flawlessly. So I feel, you know, pretty good about that. Um, the timing is definitely different. The trigger is lighter. We did some transition drills um, where she had talked about in your podcast and in, in, in her book, the quiet eye um, that she talks about, we did some quiet eye drills it, that required some trigger prep transitioning, you know, from between targets. And that I, I struggled with that because I was not used to that trigger. I'm still not used to that trigger, but I'm, that's another thing I'm working on in dry fire, just prepping that trigger, finding the wall, the triggers lighter, kind of like when I set your gun up, um you know with the with the new grip and we had that light trigger right it's very different than, than what you were used to same kind of thing here it's very different than what i was used to but for the most part it didn't really hinder my what i got out of the class it was just a little bit extra stuff i had to deal with yeah like i said um i'm talking with her now and we're going to bring her to columbia south carolina but it's just a matter of when the safety for public clears up, you know, with the Corona scare. Um, yeah. But after all that's over with and we can actually figure this out, um, we're going to set lock in a date, bring her down here and, you know, get this going. Also, because I'm good. very interested in doing that. Also, the conversation with you, the conversation with her, and then just um, a lot of the comments that I read online about her class and how it helped a lot of people, you know. So it's a, it's kind of difficult, at least for me to put in the word. She teaches the class and she covered it well on the podcast last time, I think, but mm -hmm. movement is just a huge 
you know, spectrum. I mean, there's so much different parts of movement and, and efficiency in movement that it's, it's just hard to verbalize and taking one of the, the classes really helped me. Um, you know, cause she's demoing everything and, uh, you know, then we're doing drills, practicing it and they were actually applying it in a stage run. So it's really helpful. Um, I really enjoyed it. Got a lot out of it. And she was not kidding about taking pain reliever before and after the class. It's man, it was <laughs> my my leg muscles are still kind of sore from two weeks ago. I think. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, that's, hey, like you know, it's working. At that <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that one, but I'm also more concerned about the safety of everybody else. You know, because for me, I'm even like this whole Corona instance is pretty much I'm looking at it more like the flu, you know. But when you turn around and you look at it, I don't feel like we're getting enough information on it like we were at the beginning. And I think it's now it's more of a scare because, you know, people are out there. They're doing the hoarding shopping and, you know, like. We just need to follow the rules until they figure out how they want to do things. And when it goes back to normal, because I'm in competition depression right now, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, I'm trying to get through it with training. I set up a big stage in my backyard over the weekend just so I could <laughs> have something resembled competition. No, I understand. Yeah. I don't know what to think about this Corona deal. It's something that we've never experienced before. Yeah, well, you know, they said um, close to us, the governor of North Carolina just put a stay-at-home order for the people who live in Charlotte. And they said the numbers in Charlotte are doubling rapidly, you know, so. For positive cases? Correct. Yeah, okay. So I'm like, hmm, I heard a rumor that they did the same thing in Charleston, but when I looked it up, you know, and I talked to somebody and they was like, that's not true. And I was like, all right, cool. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to, I don't know. I don't know what's going on where I work. We're considered uh necessary, you know, for national security. So right. we're going to work as long as we can, as long as we're healthy, we're taking extra precautions, but we're trying to keep things going. Yeah. But I do want to say um, for everybody who's listening, and if you can share this word, this is the time frame. Whereas, if you're not familiar with your firearm, now is the time to, you know, pick it up, contact an instructor, and see if you can do some form of like a video chat conferencing, or have them put a video and try to walk you through the four firearm safety rules and other measures that you can do that you can practice just to say just to stay safe in the event you don't have the extra opportunity and time to go to the range all the time you know so we can play catch up a little bit but let's use this technology for the positive so this is a fantastic time to yeah refamiliarize yourself with your firearms this is actually more concerning to me than the virus like my age i'm not you know, really prone to it affecting me greatly. Um, but I am really concerned about people being forced out of work, not having a source of income, maybe not being able to 
buy food. People are going to start getting desperate and desperate people will do some things that they might not normally do. Um, also there was a may, you may have seen that. I don't, I don't remember the, the, if it's a city or municipality in Texas, they, uh, two local police officers had tested positive for, uh, the virus. And, uh, they had stated, I don't, I feel like they probably should not have stated this publicly, but they were not going to send officers out for small crimes like theft and, and robbery right. and, and things like that. Um, you're on your own at that point. Exactly. So, um, but the whole thing is, is, um, only thing you really do in that situation is do what they used to do, like in my neighborhood where I grew up at in Charlotte, which was all the neighbors looked out for each other, you know? So that's what we need to go back to. And everybody don't be selfish. Um, if your neighbor or if you know somebody who needs help with something, help them out as much as you can, food, toilet paper, you know, water, whatever the case may be, wash the kids while you go to work or they go to work, whatever it may be. But um in this time now you need people to really be vigilant and i joke with my daughter all the time because she's always in the window when i get her she'll hear a noise she'll run to the window look out the blind so i call it november november which is nosy neighbor <laughs> <You know? laughs> so um in this time frame now we need to be vigilant because i do believe something like that is going to happen. I've heard reports that it already started in Detroit. I don't know how true that is, but you know, with the media now, you got to really scrutinize whatever they put out. <laughs> yeah. You never know. Yeah. So um, but in this time of need, we need to look out for each other as people, you know? So if I can help you, you can help me. Let's make it work. You know, we just got to get imaginative, use our imagination with this process. Yeah. So um, what's next for you? Because what I'm going to do is my intent was to wake up this morning and do about 30 minutes, 40 minutes of dry fire. I woke up this morning with a slight headache only because I didn't drink enough water. So I kind of stayed in the bed a little bit. When I got up, I went straight to painting. Right. <laughs> Took a break, do the podcast. Then I'm going to go back to painting. And then I'm going to do my session of dry fire this evening um, before I go to bed. I'm going to try to get a little dry fire in before work. I'm, the schedules have changed at, at, at my work because of the virus thing. We're trying to keep people separated as much as we can, but still, you know, keep the place open. Right. Um, I'm going to try to maybe sneak out this weekend for some live fire practice. Um, there's some outdoor ranges that are still open. Um, you know, you're pretty, you're not, you can practice your social distancing and still get your live fire practice in on an outdoor range. So. Yeah. Um, well, if you happen to come to Columbia on Sunday, I might try to get out on Sunday, but I'll talk with you offline about that one. Okay. All right. Yeah. So we can make that happen. <laughs> we'll just right. Make sure we pick up our brass because that's becoming scarce too. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Everything. <laughs> and, um, you know, companies are gouging like cheaper than dirt. I'm like, I'm surprised. I saw that. that is... Stuff like that. Like, 
they lost me as a customer, man. When yeah, I saw that. I said, I won't, I won't buy anything else from them if they're doing stuff like that, which I went on the site and seen that. And I'm like, in this time of need, I do understand you can make a little bit off of it, but why would you try to ring somebody's neck? Oh, it's like a thousand percent price increase. It's pretty yeah. ridiculous, man. Yeah, that's crazy, <laughs> man. And once again, that's an act of you're not helping your neighbor. That's straight greed right there. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, but for me, like I said, I will not shop with them. No, I won't, I won't either. That's out of the question. <laughs> but if you happen to know of any place that you possibly can order, you know, supplies from for your firearm, um, put it in the comments on the Facebook page and the Instagram page and share that knowledge so everybody else who possibly needs help and some such can join in on it. So like you mentioned uh, about training with your firearms, if anyone that's in the Augusta area or just wants to come in the nearby area, um, Shooter's uh, indoor range is still open. They're loading their own ammo there for use at the range. They're not selling any of it out the door, but it's a great place if you want to go familiarize yourself with your firearm again or just get some practice in. They're open and have ammo available. That's it right there. So on the other side of things, you can actually give me a call at 803-250-1256 and we can set it up as we can do some um, video chat and go over some type of drills or just firearm safety stuff to get you familiar with it. Um, that's no charge right there. So you just hit me up. If you just want to talk, we can talk. If you want to talk about security around the house, we can talk about that. Security with you going out in public, we can talk about that. But um, the main important thing is that everybody stays safe and we look out for each other. You know, so outside of that, I guess we just have to wait and see what happens on the weekend that's coming up because there's yeah. no matches right now. <laughs> and it's just no. a matter of staying current with training. You know, it's it's a good opportunity to train for sure, but that's about all we can do. Yeah. World's just about shut down at the moment. That's it right there. So we're gonna go ahead and let the sponsors say their piece and their words. So stay tuned for the M-W Tactical Podcast. Hey, this is Brian Conley at Hunters HD Gold. If you've never tried Hunters HD Gold, then I challenge you to find me at a match next year. Go to the website under scheduled events, find out where I'm gonna be, come meet me in person and demo a pair for yourself. Find out why shooters across the United States are changing the Hunters HD Gold to get 43% more light to their eyes, better contrast, eyes that are not fatigued at the end of the day based on the, the colors that we use, and find out the real meaning of why they change so you don't have to. So check us out on our website, huntershdgold.com, and I look forward to seeing you at the range soon. What's up, good people? Thank you for taking the time and listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. Please, go visit the M-W Tactical store at www.m-wtactical.com forward slash store and help support our efforts by purchasing a shirt or two. If you haven't done so, go follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for M-W Tactical. 
The gun cleaners. Our solvent is, I think, second to none. Our lube is second to none. Their lube's heavier than water, which is just a huge thing. People don't really put a lot of thought into that, just how huge that is to have on your gun, especially if you can still carry. The gun cleaners. Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, you're going to sweat a lot of the other lubes off. With ours, it'll stay there. The gun cleaners. And maintaining the quality of the process, the quality of the end result, is another. And you guys are able to do both with the process that you have there. Order your supply of the lube and the solvent at www.theguncleaners.com. Now we're going to go ahead and jump into a little bit of Word on the 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 Right now, we are dealing with the pandemic from the coronavirus and asking everyone to stay healthy and follow the guidelines that are in place for everyone's safety. Please find the time to go out and exercise and stay active within your homes, whether you are rediscovering a hobby you put on the back shelf or taking the time to do some spring cleaning. In this time of crisis, please do not panic. For those of you who are new to firearms or just looking for some tips to stay vigilant, visit the M-W Tactical YouTube page and see the various training aids we put in place. If there is a topic related to firearms you would like for us to discuss, please contact us either on Instagram, Facebook, or email, and we will make it happen. For Instagram, do a search for at Munitions Weapons Tactical, Facebook, Search for M-W Tactical or email us at info at M-WTactical.com. Battle at the Beach has been rescheduled to take place May 28th through the 30th. For more information, contact LowCountryUSPSA.com. The Gun Cleaners our solvent is, I think, second to none. Our lube is second to none. Their lube's heavier than water, which is just a huge thing. People don't really put a lot of thought into that, just how huge that is to have on your gun, especially if you can still carry. The gun cleaners. Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, you're going to sweat a lot of the other lubes off. With ours, it'll stay there. The gun cleaners. And maintaining the quality of the process, the quality of the end result, is another, and you guys are able to do both with the process that you have there. Order your supply of the lube and the solvent at www.theguncleaners.com. What's up, good people? Thank you for taking the time and listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. Please, go visit the M-W Tactical store at www dot m dash w tactical dot com forward slash store and help support our efforts by purchasing a shirt or two if you haven't done so go follow us on instagram and facebook by searching for m dash w tactical hey this is brian conley at hunters hd gold if you've never tried hunters hd gold then i challenge you to find me at a match next year go to the website under scheduled events find out where i'm going to be come meet me in person and demo a pair for yourself 
find out why shooters across the United States are changing the Hunter's HD Gold to get 43% more light to their eyes, better contrast, eyes that are not fatigued at the end of the day based on the, the colors that we use, and find out the real meaning of why they change so you don't have to. So check us out on our website, huntershdgold.com, and I look forward to seeing you at the range soon. This week, we're going to have a discussion with Tiffany Wilms, the co-owner of Phoenix Trinity. So, you never heard of them. Well, maybe you heard of the firearm called the Honcho. This is a one-stop shop for those who are into competition shooting with the ability to change from open division to limited division in a matter of minutes. I am impressed with the Honcho firearm and expressed that during this conversation with Tiffany. All right, good people. We're back at it again. And this is another interview with the M-W Tactical Podcast. Today, we went out and we found somebody who I find unique to the game. I can actually say I seen this person in person um, two times at two level two matches. And the same person is responsible for a product that's in two people who I look up to in the shooting community but we're going to let her decide to talk about this here in a little bit. So without further ado, I would like to welcome Tiffany Wilms to the M-W Tactical Podcast. How are you doing today, Tiffany? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me. Hey, no problem. I, I really do appreciate you coming on. And one thing I am appreciative of is that you're a female in a male-dominant industry on the sports side of things and the business side of things. And you have a product that a lot of people talk about. But before we talk about this product, I would like you to tell people who is Tiffany Wilms? Um, well, I am, I am kind of one part of Phoenix Trinity. Um, my husband and I, Brian, the big guy, he's kind of the brains behind everything engineering wise, machining wise, um, kind of doing everything mechanical. Um, and I just happen to know a couple things about business, um, which makes us a pretty good pair um, in doing this. Um, his background is actually in machining. Um, since high school, a really young age, um, he got into CNC machining, um, kind of self-taught himself uh, how to program um, at the shop that he was at. He was um, essentially kind of kind of running the shop and doing um, a lot of things, um, a lot of things there when we started Phoenix Trinity. And so his background is in um, machining for aerospace, machining for the medical industry, um, you know, doing parts for, for GE, for Boeing, um, and kind of got a little bit into firearms and doing some projects and different stuff with Remington and other, com other companies um, there. So our background in is, is really in doing things the right way um, with good CNC machining equipment, good practices, good tooling, um, having a lot of contacts in the industry and having kind of been brought up in a sense in doing things the right way. Um, there's a lot of people in this industry, not everyone, but there are a lot of people that are kind of gun, um, gun builders or gun enthusiasts that decide, hey, I wanna do this further. And so they'll sometimes get education or get training or they'll um, watch YouTube videos, as we say sometimes, and buy some machines and try to, you know, we call them YouTube machinists, which are okay. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that do really, really well at it. What we bring to it is, is we bring machining aspect that we're now applying into the gun area. 
Um, so what it does is it allows us in this platform to produce consistent parts that have good finishes that are, you know, we're holding tolerances. Um, we do have prints for every part that we make. There is quality control processes and we are, um, we are, taking all of our experience and background and putting that into an area where I don't think there was a whole lot of that in, in this area of firearms and, and specifically in competition firearms before. Okay, so now how long have you and your husband been involved in the business aspect of the gun industry, dealing with machinery and the business side, paperwork side that you handle? Right. So Phoenix Trinity was founded in 2011 um, by the two of us. The company he previously worked for and I actually worked for a um, machining company as well, more of on the accounting side of things. Um, the company he worked for, there was an explosion next door. And so the company kind of um, folded and went under from there. So this um, is where Phoenix Trinity started. And we were doing a lot of things with um, rifle actions. Um, so uh, 700 Remington clones, we were actually making them out of titanium um, and making bolts for those. Uh, we were making 338 actions, true 338 actions with bolts, nothing, we weren't necking things up. We weren't, um, you know, turning a 700 into a 338, but actually making true 338 actions. Um, we've done a lot of prototyping for some of the big companies out there. Um, we did a lot of making actions for a lot of the companies now that you see um, the big top builders that are offering titanium actions at one point or another, either through prototypes or through supply, we were supplying most of those companies. Um, we got into the double stack more pistol platform kind of by happenstance. Um, there was a customer of ours who was also a friend, um, really good guy, an NRA master, his name was Tom Myers. Um, we were helping him out with his business. Um, he had gotten sick and we got hooked up with some guys in this industry um, who kind of, you know, hey, you know, there's really a need for consistent parts and good supply. And everyone knew that the patent was coming up, the STI had. And so we were kind of hesitant at first because we were pretty comfortable at what we were doing. Um, we much preferred being in the background, um, doing OEM stuff, putting other people's names on parts. We were, we were pretty comfortable doing that. We want to make money, not necessarily have any notoriety or anyone really, you know, know who we are. So we started down the path and that's, we, we made the first ones and it kind of took off. Um, we started making metal grips um, after that. And a lot of people would ask us about making guns, you know, when are you going to make a gun? When are you going to, you know, when are you going to make a gun? And our biggest part was, is well, we'll make a gun when we can make it better. Um, what we didn't like in the beginning, which we found out later on, is making the frame and making the grip, our first grip, our classic grips, essentially they're, they're a copy of a plastic grip from STI. Um, we just made them out of metal and figured out how to make them out of good materials so that, that they wouldn't crack and they would hold up um, longevity wise. But we really didn't like the fact that essentially we're just taking a design that someone else had and just doing something different with it. Right. Essentially it was kind of the same. So what we wanted to do was work on is actually doing something. If we were going to build a gun and do something, we wanted to actually make it better. So we started with the products we were currently making. We found ways to make the frames better, to make them more efficient, um, to make them kind of last longer. Um, rails, par rails on the frames parallel, um, did a lot of that. And then we started developing the Evo grip, um, which is used very widely now in, in this market. Um, the Evo grip actually started from a classic grip uh, it took some air dry clay 
and, and in my office actually started molding around a classic grip and said, you know, if you're going to hold something, um, you know, it's kind of in your hand. What we noticed was that the plastic grips and which means our classic grips were kind of square. They were kind of boxy feeling and it wasn't that comfortable to hold on to something that square. So one of the nice parts about us being kind of new to this sport, you know, USPSA three gun at that time, we didn't really have all the preconceived notions that other people had. Like, you know, it has to be done this way because this is how it's always been done. We pretty much came in with a completely new perspective of, well, this doesn't feel that comfortable. Well, can we make it better? So, you know, we worked with the air dry clay and I kind of went in and handed it to Brian and I said, well, I want this kind of shape. And he kind of looked at me like, the hell is this? Like, <laughs> what do you want me to do with this? And I said, I want you to make a metal version of this. He was like, you're not serious. I said, no, I'm serious. Let's, let's get as close to this as possible. So we started working on it and um, actually buying a 3D um, printer um, to start making them out of plastic because we would kind of make changes to it. And, and that's kind of how the Evo grip um, came about. And funny story that I know most of the guys on our shooting team know about. Um, but on the back of the Evo grip, there's a PT in the bottom right hand side in the corner. So the very first prototype that he brought me and this this thing looked fantastic. But I looked down the bottom and he had milled a flat back there on that side and it had engraved into the flat the PT. And I said, it kind of sticks out. I don't really like this. Mm -hmm. He said, well, what do you mean? Well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, can't we make it blend in? Like, can we have the PT so it's raised and kind of machined around it? And he said, you know that I had to do all of that texturing all the way around the grip. I said, yeah, I know. And he said, this is going to take me a while to do. So I said, well, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it once and it's going to be done right. So he didn't talk to me for two weeks and we may have been on the brink of divorce. Right. Evil grip looks exactly like it should look. Nice. Nice. All right. So now um, let's talk about the handgun, the honcho. All right. Something uh -huh. different. Um, I think it set a pathway because when I first heard about the honcho, um, I retired in 2017. So it was around 2016, 2017, the end of 2017 when I first heard about it. Um, I figured it was a one-stop shop after everything I've seen, like all the videos I would look at because mm -hmm. I'm that type of buyer, whereas... If it's anything over a hundred bucks, I really put thought into it before I buy it. Right. right. So I'm looking at your product and I'm looking, I was like, man, this is everything you need for shooting. And you can take the gun apart, put it back together. And it's like a one-stop shop. The only thing that deterred me was the price. And the reason why I say the price is because I like to shoot limited, but I have no interest as of yet to shoot open or <laughs> else <laughs> right exactly right so we gotta start somewhere <laughs> all right so um so now um the big thing with the honcho what makes the honcho stand out from the rest of the industry um what makes it different so what we worked on um there was actually two outside of, of brian and always he's always tinkering always doing something um, Brian, uh, you just talked to Errol Lawson a lot. Errol Lawson's um, a GM out of Florida here. Um, really, really good shooter. He's been he's been in USPSA for a really long time. Knows a lot of people. Um, but he's 
he builds guns and is kind of like Brian. He's a tinkerer, is always thinking about things. You know, how do you do something? How do you make it better? And and they were always tossing ideas around. Well, we happened to be in um, Trinidad um, down with uh, Richard Hopkinson down there um, for their carnival, which was fantastic. Um, but we were talking about getting guns into like the Caribbean because it's actually really hard and really expensive to get guns down there. So we were talking about guns and barrels because in Trinidad, um, you can only shoot nine millimeter. Hmm. And he said, and most of it here is minor. He said, so going up to the to the US, if I want to shoot there, and then with guns, he said it's it's really hard. And we said, Well, you know, well, what would happen if you had a gun and you could just change the barrels? And he said, Well, that would be awesome. He said, I could actually leave barrels in the US and then bring my gun and I could change them. I could shoot 38 super comp if I could shoot other things. So Brian started working on some ideas. Um and, and just based off of conversations before about being able to switch things out. And, and he did a lot of work with Steven Sanders, who's on our team, who's a, an engineer as well. Um, Dilla talking, they, they start coming up and they said, well, right now the most interchangeable is kind of a Glock barrel, um, that, that style, but that doesn't really translate over into a metal platform. Um, the, the Glock style works because it hangs up on those lugs um, but when it impacts with the lugs, the lugs are attached to a plastic frame and the plastic gives. So that's what allows that entire system to work. What we did, and I know that there were people previously who've tried similar things. Peter Stahl had tried something um, way back when. A couple other people have tried to do it and have been unsuccessful. Um, they've been successful in creating a platform that works, but not one that works longevity wise not one that stays together and keeps the lugs on the bottom. And, and we, we went through a lot of metal. Um, we went through a lot of barrels. We went through a lot of frames. We went through slides. Um, we went through torture testing, trying to blow it up, um, try to do lots of things. We failed at a lot of things. We learned a lot of stuff. Um, and, and then finally got to the point um, where we were confident in the design that we had and we filed for the patent on two different aspects. We actually have a couple um, patents that are pending on different aspects of the honcho um, that makes it work. And, and one of the, the big aspects of that is we figured out how to make it work in a completely metal environment. Mm-hmm. So there's no plastic there and we didn't do anything off of the reverse plug. It actually attaches into the frame. Um, the, the vertical impact surface is the same. Um, also in the slide, um, there's a interchangeable, um, it's not a breech face like what SVI did, which was a really good design, um, but it is an interchangeable breech block that actually goes along the side um, so that it's it's slightly more stable in our opinion than something that screws in and needs to be loctited in in the breech face of it. And it's um, working very, very well. Um, so the, the best part about the honcho is, is we designed it and, and we did lots of testing. We did holes in the barrel. Um, we did different styles of compensators, um, different things with sight blocks, slide lengths, frame, li- frame lengths. Um, we actually lengthened the slide, not slide rails, the frame rails um, on it just to make it a little more stable of a platform. Because Brian had always asked, he'd ask everyone, he says, you know, why are the frame rails only this long? And no one really had a good answer. And they said, well, I don't know. It's just always been that way. He said, well, I want to try making them longer because it seems like having more of that surface there to glide on would have to make it better. Um, so when it's that's worked better as well. So 
we did a lot of testing, um, got them out. Steven Sanders is, I think he had one of the very first honchos outside the ones we were testing. Um, a few other people on the team pretty much said, give it your worst. Um, try try to break it, blow it up, find all the weaknesses, find anything that can be improved. Um, you know, we tested it pretty much any way it could be 49 millimeter, 38 super comp. Um, I know at one point we were running Blake's Akai load out of it. And I think we were running like 194 power factor out of the 38 super comp barrel. Um, and, and everything, you know, held together really well. We did a lot of testing on it. Um, the, the biggest part with the honcho, which makes it nice, is one of the things that we don't really advertise. So outside of getting a gun at a decent price point for a metal gripped gun in the market, um, you're also getting multiple other guns, depending on what you build, either in the race shop or one of the models. So you can shoot multiple divisions. You can shoot multiple um, calibers out of the same gun. But what we don't talk about a whole lot because we prefer to kind of over deliver, under promise and over deliver, is that the honcho actually, um, in, in everyone's opinion that we've had, everything we've seen with our testing is actually running more accurate than, than most of the guns that are offered out there now. Um, there has been some extensive testing done that'll be out um, probably sometime this year, a couple other people, independent people that we know they've done testing against some of the other major builders out there as far as accuracy alongside the honcho and different calibers and setups. And um, so for everything we're getting back, the honcho is winning. Um, so that's pretty, pretty awesome. You know, we kind of intended for it to be this multi-use, multi-functional. Um, we took everyone's feedback of, you know, they'd go to back-to-back -to -back nationals say, well, you know, I have to have two open guns because if something happens and I have a backup and I want to shoot limited, well, I need two guns there in case I need a backup. Well, now the really cool part is, is that they can use that same gun for both and not only use the same gun, but your trigger pull is not going to change. So a lot of people get their trigger right to where they like it. It's the take up, the nice crisp break, or they'd rather it be rolling. They get exactly where they want it. If they get their mag buttons exactly where they are, safeties, maybe right, right at where it, it it works for them. They don't have to change any of that up um, with the honcho. They can switch divisions. The only thing that's going to change is if you're looking at iron sights and optic and and the felt recoil from the caliber that you're shooting. Yeah. Like I said, it's awesome. And both Tom and Wally, who are members of your shooting team, allowed me to shoot both their firearms. And really, if I had about 10 feet and a little bit more clearing, Wally wouldn't have a gun right now because <laughs> uh, I was actually impressed with it. And when he let me shoot it, it was only like, um, I think I only shot one or two times. And he was like, go ahead, finish out the mag. And I was like, okay. But I was just surprised at how flat and that sight did not move off the target. Like, if you do all the fundamentals correctly, it was there. And I was like strictly amazed. And I was like, how is this? Then of course, you know, I went to YouTube and started looking at the videos and I found like a lot of stuff. I don't know who was talking, but I just saw a bunch of hands in the gun in the video, the honcho videos. That's that probably there. me. Yeah, everyone at, everyone at Phoenix Trinity there when it's time to like, hey, we need to do a video. Everyone's like, you know, not it, nose, nose goes, you're <laughs> it is not me. And I, I'm pretty sure part of the time none of them shave. Or right. wear like, decent clothes or anything because they're like, you know what, she might do a video. So if we if we kind of look like we're homeless, she won't ask us to do anything. <laughs> All right. So now um, let's go back to the grip, okay? Because mm -hmm. I had a conversation with Tom, and 
of course, you know, like I said, I'm still leaning to getting there, really saving up to get a honcho. And I asked Tom, like, does STR magazines work in with that grip? He said, yes, but he feels MBX works better. All right. So what is y'all take on that? Mm -hmm. Um, our, our take is, um, we recommend MBXs, um, because they've been pretty consistent. Um, we haven't really seen any yet that out of the package, as long as you're following the instructions, seating, you know, the springs and stuff on there, they've all been running out of the package. Um, that being said, there are STIs that work. Um, there are SVs that work. The old SVs are kind of the, 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 the gold mine. If you have one of those, you, you don't even let people touch it in a match. Like you hold it up and they can take a look at it, but, it, but they can't touch it. Um, the, the biggest part, the STIs, I've, a lot of it's just consistency. Um, I've heard that the dimensions, shape, bulging on, on the tubes of those can change. Um, we've seen that they, you know, change very sometimes from magazine to magazine. Um, I, I will say I know STI has been doing a lot of stuff and a lot of their stuff has gotten a lot more consistent and in probably the past year or so. Um, so that's that's pretty hopeful. Um, can they be made to work if there's an issue? Yeah, you can probably do that quite easily. Um, you know, there's usually a local gunsmith GM or, or there's a lot of videos out there about tuning them if there would be something out with them. And that's um, that's something that we do. Um, as well. So even though we don't provide magazines with the Honcho, um, one, because there's multiple calibers and multiple setups. Uh, most people that are buying a Honcho or looking at it um, typically already have magazines. So like, you know, I already have my setup. I don't want to pay for extra magazines because, you know, that's just how things work. If, if the gun is $4,000 and you want it to come with a magazine, well, now the price is $4,100. Um, it's, it's just kind of how it works. So the overwhelming response that we received is that people would rather pay a lower price and not pay for something they don't necessarily need. Or if it's something they need, they're very readily available. And there is a company offering them where they can buy them and they work right outside of the package. Um, so that's been working rather well. But one thing we do, if someone got their honcho and say they had issues with magazines or, you know, just my, my STI, you know, I got these STIs or I got these no name magazines or I have these old ones and they're not working. We will never be a company that says, well, you know what, we didn't make those magazines. So you're just gonna have to figure out something on your own. Um, typically we'll try to talk to people on the phone, see if there's something we can walk them through. And then they always have the option, um, as a honcho owner, you can always send us your gun at any time, send us your gun, send us your ammo. If it's an ammo issue, if it's a gun issue, if it's a magazine issue, if it's a writing, a safety issue, whatever it is, we'll get it sorted out. And, and we're always going to be there to help. We feel like buying a gun and becoming a honcho owner is just kind of the first step of things you kind of um, join a, a community with us. You know, you've put your faith in us and you've paid for a really expensive gun and you've put your trust in us. And Brian and I prefer not to let anybody down. Like I said, that sounds awesome. So now everything you just said, how, what is the warranty like? Um, we, we warranty the honcho anywhere on the planet. As, wow. as long as someone doesn't go, um, which sorry, um, Corey, he didn't quite go but actually loaded, I think it was like 9.2 grains, a tight group, mm. um, loaded it in, I believe for nine millimeter, um, which is severely overcharged, kind of case separation, blew up the round, shot the magazine out, black powder everywhere. I think he had to take, um, 
take a little bit of a hammer to it to kind of hammer it apart. He cleaned everything up, put it back together and it's still running. Um, we begged him to send it back so we could check it out. We said, everything's still running just as, as good as it was. The other great part about the Han show is that since we have a background in machining and the big guy really knows what he's doing with machines and we have, we have close now to, they're probably slightly over $2 million in equipment in our facility. Um, our oldest machine, we have two older ones that just kind of do small stuff, but our oldest machine is three years old. Um, so we stay on top of equipment. We stay on top of kind of the latest and what's coming out. We do a lot of lights out manufacturing. So machines are running 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, we do a lot of probing and part checking and, and double checking stuff. The really nice part is we're able to machine the honcho so that it fits together. Um, most companies, I know SVs machining a lot of their parts. I believe them and us are one of the few that are um, doing the majority of that. And there may be other ones, but just off the top of my head. Um, but we are actually machining the gun so it goes together. We're not buying a bunch of parts, putting them on a machine and remachining them so that they fit together. What we're doing is machining the honcho as an assembly. Right. That doesn't mean that it's any any cheaper or it's just you know cookie cutter put together. What it means is that if we notice we're putting safeties on and our guys that are going through and doing the final blending says, hey, I'm having to blend quite a bit over here. Brian says, cool, let's go over. Let's change up the program. Let's go ahead and add that in so that we're saving time. And what that allows us to do, we can build a honcho top to bottom, five barrels, all of the options on it. We can build it in right at about four hours. Um, so what that does is that saves a whole bunch of time and hand fitting that most other gunsmiths have with putting a gun together, which is why we can offer the best parts, metal gripped gun, all of these options. And we're actually um, nine times out of 10, we're cheaper than the other builders out there. Um, so we're able to, to fit it together. So what makes it and how that ties in with our warranty is that say something did happen and you, you blew up a barrel and you broke your slide. Not a problem. Send it back into us. We'll get you taken care of when it hits, you know, granted supply on hand, but typically within two to three days of even making the parts, um, we could fit the slide and barrel in probably about an hour. So we could have a new slide, a new barrel fit, send those out to coding, um, get them back. And then it's back to you in no time. Um, whereas most other companies, I know some guys now there's guys on our team that have guns back with builders for broken slides or things that have happened that have been there for six months or a year. Um, our, our goal, and since we're capable of doing this, is if there, we're not saying there'll never be an issue. We've designed it to minimize issues, but if there is, we'll be able to take care of it in a timely manner. Wow, like that's pretty impressive to me right there. So that's like bumper to bumper, no worries. Just shoot <laughs> and have fun and send it back to a lot of years traveling around because our kids shot and we have a shooting team. So we've been to a lot of matches all over the country and we spend a lot of time because Brian and I don't compete and shoot because um, our kids shot. So we prefer to watch what's going on around them. If people had questions about grips or parts, we would rather be there and be available to answer questions for customers than guys on our team or the kids that are shooting and trying to focus on shooting. So we spend a lot of time actually talking to people and asking questions and we hear everyone's grumbles. We hear all of the feedback from everyone and we kind of took all of that feedback from everyone and, and we've tried to roll it all into not only the honcho, but how we deal with things, service and and all of the things that go along with it. Nice, like I said, I'm more impressed now. Um, so 
like I said, now really, like I told you beforehand, um, I was really looking at getting a, a honcho before y'all opened up the race shop. The only mm -hmm. thing that deterred me was I wasn't interested in shooting anything else but limited. Right. You know? But now y'all have the race shop. So now how does the race shop compare to just ordering the gun? Um, the two models, will, well, technically we have three models. We have a race ready model, which is geared towards USPSA. So it gets you set up for everything to run um, nine minor and limited, 40 and limited, um, nine millimeter and open and 38 super comp um, and all of the, the bells and whistles that go with it. Um, three gun model um, has you set up for essentially kind of the same thing, but not the 38 super comp because most most three gun guys aren't using that. Um, and we did come up with a single porch um, comp barrel. Dylan easily helped quite a bit with that for shooting um, three gun, being able to shoot um, lower bunny fart loads um, out of the nine millimeter open setup than, uh, than the three port comp. And then we also have an IPSC model, which we launched uh, not too long ago because um, we are now exporting into other countries. So the IPSC model um, in standard division setup, which is similar to limited, it will fit in the IPSC box um, with just a magwell and a um, shortened barrel. So there's no adjustment to the grip or any other parts. You can still use it in, in the standard setup and other divisions um, if you wanted to. And then we're tailoring, we're tailoring that model um, to different countries. Cause kind of like we talked about with um, Richard Hopkinson, a lot of countries you can't shoot 40 or you can't shoot something else. So we're kind of tailoring that to each country and what their laws are um, for, for that model. The race shop, what it allows is people like yourself, you're like, you know, I'm not interested in shooting open. I'm already loading for 40. I'm set for that. I'm, I don't have any interest in 38 super comp or doing open. Um, I don't believe you, but I can, I can sell you a gun through the, through the race shop that is exactly what you want right now. And, and the great part is about that. You can go through their um, aluminum grip, stainless grip. Uh, you can add the 40 caliber barrel. You can actually get out of the race shop, I believe for just under $3,000. Um, if you wanted just a one caliber setup um, with a metal grip. Um, so you could set that up, um, get it all built out. You've got it, you've shot it for a while and you see Wally out there and you see Tom out there and they're switching their gun over and they're shooting open and there's a steel challenge match or there's something else coming up. Maybe like, you know what? They've been talking a lot of smack and they're gonna shoot open. I wanna shoot open too. Um, essentially you can call us up um, and you can say, hey, um, Wally and Tom are talking smack. I'm going to go shoot open this, you know, whatever upcoming match. Great. Send us your gun back in about 30 minutes. We can fit an open barrel to it. Um, we usually have mounts on hand um, that go right into the plate system on the back. Um, we can essentially turn your limited gun into an open gun fairly quickly. Um, you know, of course, sands whatever time for coating on the barrel. But if you were in a super hurry and wanted to show them who was boss this weekend, um, we could send the barrel to you uncoated and then you could send it back for coating. Wow, right, man, that's that's remarkable, right there. <laughs> Nobody else is doing that, though. Right, and most other companies, it's you know, it's it's twenty five hundred, thirty five hundred. I've heard forty five hundred dollars because all these other companies, they're all having to do alternate top ends. They're having to do another slide, you know, with the barrel that's fit for that slide. And now you have two slides, and and you can fit them really, really well but they're never gonna be exactly the same. So that slide to frame wear is always going to be slightly different. And if you're switching back and forth between top ends, it, it eventually is gonna cause some premature wear somewhere because um, it's not gonna wear exactly the same with both slides. The great part with the honcho is same frame, same slide, 
all of the barrels are set up so you're good to go and it and it doesn't cost thirty five hundred dollars to shoot another caliber so now did y'all do any type of um, i know y'all done a lot of tests for shooting mm -hmm. but have y'all done tests comparing it to another firearm or multiple firearms as far as the amount of rounds and the gun wearing down um we've done quite a bit of wear tests so we've had and and guys on our team, um, we have guys like Caesar Ho, who's I think Caesar Ho has bought a gun from every major gun builder out there. Um, we've had quite a few um, from ourselves, just from different gun builders, and and we know about what the average lifespan is on on most guns when they get to where you can kind of shake them and they'll start rattling. Um, I believe round count wise um, on a Honcho, I think we have one that's upwards now. Um, one of our testers, I think we're approaching eighty thousand. Right. And and it still shoots just as accurate as one we built today. Nice. Wow. So we're not saying that they'll last forever and conditions can always be different, but they're 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 staying together and they're shooting very well. Yeah, like I said, wow, that, that is pretty remarkable in a, in a product that you have. I'm more like, okay, I would like to shoot a match with it, but mm -hmm. I never want to ask Tom or Wally, because I think Wally has um the thumb rest. That race fan on it. Oh, he's he's a lefty. That's yeah, and, the, and he's left he's hand. Monstrosity yeah. hanging off the right side of his gun. <laughs> exactly. But um, I, I would think if I was to ask Tom, I, I don't think he would have a problem with it. I just wouldn't feel comfortable asking him, like, "Hey, man, let me shoot your gun." So if you I were know, to, I think most of the guys on the team would be okay with it because they know and and they've seen it enough times that. If, if you did something real crazy and, and happened to break it, we can fix it pretty fast. Right. So now do y'all give, like, for instance, I saw you at uh, Battle at the Beach last year hmm. and the Georgia level two was a Georgia State match last year right. also. Yep. Now, if I would have walked up to you and said, hey, I want to shoot the honcho, do you have a loner gun? Is that if, something that- If we that's have one, absolutely. Um, our plan for this year, and of course, you know, we've we're we're selling a lot of honchos. Um, our our back backlog right now is a bit bit crazy. Um, actually, what we've built in a short period of time, so it's kind of cool as well because we can build them so quickly. Um, but our plan for this year is we will be at knock on wood. Us, Brian and I are going to try to be there. Um, if, if not just us, there'll be a lot of guys from the team. If for some reason we can't make it, but we plan on being at all of the area matches and we will also be at the race gun nationals, um, which is sponsored by Phoenix Trinity this right. year. Um, and part of, um, working with all of these different match directors for the different areas. Um, what we've been also working on is having a, whether it's a side in bay or practice bay or somewhere. So that if someone wants to shoot a honcho or wants to try one out, um, there's a place for them to do that um, at the matches. And the great part about Brian and I not shooting is if for some reason we're on a different schedule, you know, if you're, if you're shooting afternoon and our guys are in the morning, we can be there and be available when anyone shows up. Um, we do for anyone on the team. I know there's a couple guys now that had some matches coming up and we did send out, we had some ponchos on hand, um, a couple of our uh, demo guns, um, we let uh, one guy at Florida Open use one of our demo guns. He kind of finished out that match with it. But absolutely, if we have one on hand and one available to shoot, um, us or usually anyone on the team is is more than willing to let someone shoot it at a match. 
Wow. Well, that's pretty awesome. That's nice to know. I wish I would have known that back then. So. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know how many we had back then. It was kind of a race to get all of those out to the team before we got to the match. I think we, I think we got there and then found out we'd actually built those slightly too tight. So mm -hmm. that, that morning, the first stage was disastrous. Like Brian and I were ready to just, I thought we were both going to lose our breakfast. Um, we got there and I think three, three of the guys had issues on the first stage with the honchos. So they all kind of got their new honchos. The whole team has honchos there and, and they're like having issues and we're like, what's going on? Well, it was chilly out that morning there in South Carolina. So where we had built them so tight and they had fresh oil in them that until the, it, the guns actually warmed up, the oil was slowing down the slides. Wow. Except for Ben West. Ben West went a little bit further and he was dragging his safeties. Um, him and Devin both, Devin Wagner both were driving, dragging safeties. So we had to make some adjustments to their safeties, but everything's been good since then. But that first match, it was first match, first stage. I thought we were, I thought we were going to, going to die. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now let's, let's jump back to the race shop. Okay. Mm -hmm. So for me, far as looks, okay, um, what if I wanted a green fiber optic, um, either a green or a blue trigger, and then everything else on the gun black? Um, I think we're doing, I think we might be doing red fibers. We could, we might have green. If we have green, we would throw green on there. Um, as far as the trigger, we do take requests on triggers. Um, it's an anodized part, um, anodizing our lot charge. Um, they charge us $105 for each color. So if it's not red, not black, which is kind of our standard colors, it's $105 per color. So that's if you want just a trigger or if you want the entire, um, gun, um, the aluminum parts. So the magwell, um, optic mounts, optic plates, um, any, any of the aluminum parts, um, can all be that same color. Um, that being said, they are offered, the triggers are offered in different colors. So if there's one that they offer um, that you'd like, we can try to get it, but we're all usually, um, that depends on the stock that the distributor has on hand as well. Nice. Okay. But we do our best to, to do that. Right. And I'm pretty sure if, you, if you're giving custom service of, hey, just send it back, we'll take care of it. I mean, anything is possible, you'll make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> All right. So now, um, one of my favorite things I like to talk about outside of guns is shooting. All right. So now your shooting team is pretty large from what I can tell, just talking to various people. And it's always this person, this, I lost count. You know, I'm trying to keep a count. So now I'm going to ask you, how many people are actually on your shooting team? That's a, that's a really good question. Um, I'd, I'd probably have to go count. Um, part of getting on our team for the most part, um, most, most guys are really good guys that we find that are on the team. Once you're on it, you're always on it. Um, there's not really a way to get off. Um, so we have, we have, we kind of run two teams. So we have like a Phoenix trendy team and then we have a honcho team. So our honcho team are our current active shooters. Um, there's a lot of guys that used to shoot, um, Robert Powell, um, Garris Mercer or Garris joined the Navy. Um, Robert became a dad, um, uh, got a couple kids, um, Kevin Acuff decided he wanted to do, you know, cigar stuff. So there's, there's quite a few people out there that are on our team and will always be on our team. Um, but the honcho team are the shooters that are actively shooting. 
Um, so they're traveling, they're shooting area matches, they're training, they're, they're doing stuff. They're, they're kind of the active guys. And there is some back and forth with that. Um, you know, it was, uh, Dex Bradley was on our team, um, for quite a while. Um, he took some time off, went to college and did things. Um, he got picked up by the AMU. So he's not technically on our team, but he went from being active in shooting to coming back later, you know, left and then came back. So any of those guys that used to shoot stuff came up, if they ever decide they want to start shooting again, they always know, Hey, just look, just let us know. Let's get you over on the active team and, and keep going. So the active team is running somewhere right around, I don't know, I'd say probably 14 or 15 for the guys that'll be actively traveling, hitting area matches this year. We'll be at a lot of local matches. Um, a lot of the level one, level two matches, um, on top of that as well. Nice. That's awesome. Um, so let me ask you this then. What is it that Phoenix Trinity looks at to bring people to the team outside of either purchasing the gun or like what is what is your requirement? What do you look for? Um, our biggest requirement is integrity. Um, we We need to have people on our team, those people that will do the right thing even if no one's looking. Um, it started a lot of that because that's kind of how Brian and I are, um, you know, how would we want to be treated? What would we want to have happen in this situation? Um, just, just kind of having integrity. Um, our, our kids were on the shooting team. Um, our daughter actually starting it right, right before, I think she turned 13. Um, she was shooting. So it's kind of, we're going to travel around the country and we're going to have people around us and around our kids. They need to be good people. Um, now granted, there's a lot of smart asses like out there and those are our people. Um, but they are, they have integrity. Um, they are, they are good people. Um, the other part of it is, is that we don't, we don't offer our shirts out. So you can't call up Techwear and say, Hey, I want a Phoenix Trinity shirt, but I want to change some stuff and put something on that. Uh, we do that for a reason. We want people to know if you're at a match and you see someone in one of our shirts, um, those are one of our, those are our people. Um, they, they can, they can answer questions. They're approachable. You want to, you want to feel their grip, their gun. You want to talk to them. Um, absolutely approach them, strike up a conversation. Um, you can ask them about products, pricing, availability. If they don't know off the top of, of their heads, they'll put you in touch with me usually fairly quickly and, and get things sorted out. So we, we look for those people that when they're on the range and you stop and you talk to them, you're like, you know what, that's, that's a good person. Um, not all the time will personalities match up the way they're supposed to, but we have a good variety of people on the team from all different walks of life, all different um, faiths, beliefs, um, different, different kind of, you know, value systems of, of different things and different opinions. Um, but it works really, really well. Um, our team's actually pretty close. Um, we have the, I think probably one of the world's longest ongoing chat groups um, with our team. Essentially, most people on the team, anyone that has kids, um, just about everyone on the team, they know their names and, and usually approximate, you know, ages. Everyone knows what cars everyone drives um, and, and things that are going on at home and in their families and in shooting and in their businesses. Um, we do a lot of bouncing of ideas and R&D stuff off of the team and just um, things that come up. Um, we've really grown to be a really tight knit community, which is really, especially with us, you know, us having kids. Um, I always, I, I tell people, I give them the analogy now that if my kids were traveling in the U S and got stranded somewhere, I guarantee you they could get on social media or on the phone and they could find a shooter. Um, probably someone that's close with the team or on the team and be able to find help in a relatively short amount of time. 
It's, it's that mentality that we want on our team. Um, it's the people that, that like to be around each other, that like to, you know, they enjoy the sport, enjoy the camaraderie of being out there and talking with people. And, and that's usually infectious. And, and when people are excited about what they do, um, it, it makes it much easier to talk about products and things that we have and, and to be a good ambassador for us. Nice. Okay. Okay. So now I've been dealing with Tom Powers for <laughs> almost two years now, right? Mm -hmm. Tom has been criticizing me, analyzing me, and giving me pointers, and just giving me a lot of encouragement. And it was one day I was holding a conversation with somebody, and I stated it to them. Tom is going to get picked up, and he's going to be on somebody's shooting team within the next five years. And I said, I'm, I'm giving him five years because he's now throwing out a bunch of videos of him shooting, you know? Three days later, <laughs> to finish <laughs> so I was like, that was awesome. Yeah, so I, had done, I had done a lot of talking with Tom. Um, we chatted a lot. Of course, he had an order in and we were chatting about stuff and different options and, and just kind of knew, you know, Tom was a good guy. Um, I mean, he could put up with Wally. So that that has to make you a good guy, you know, to, to start out with anywhere um, if you can do that. But Tom's a, a really, really um, good dude. And it's we don't always well, we I'm kind of say I, I'm usually the one that does most of this. I don't really look for someone like, oh, you're going to be the next big thing. Or I'm not looking for that guy that's going to be GM in six months. And I know there's a lot of a lot of companies and teams out there that that's what they're looking for. Um, they're looking for the guys that are going to win nationals and win every area match and, and do all of these things. Um, I want the guys that will have a conversation with you. You know, I want the guys that are actually – talking to customers that are there that are doing things that are willing to say, Hey, check out my gun. You know, you want to check out not, Hey, I'm, I'm shooting nationals. Don't even touch my special safeties or my special trigger job um, that kind of get overly crazy about that, which is okay because for a lot of people, it's a job. I just don't want anyone that this is their job and primary source of income. That's not really what we want to put out to our customers. Right. Um, we, we want it to be um, more laid back, more genuine, um, interaction than just, you know, I've had a long day. Hey, hi, I have to put on this face. How are you doing? Um, so we want it, we want to be more, you know, genuine, not really looking for top shooters. Um, and actually one of the best salespeople on our team have actually been Caesar Ho. Um, we picked up Caesar Ho. He was a C class limited shooter, um, wanted to start traveling. He had bought every product that we had made and, and like tenfold of every product. And he's like, you know, I just want to travel and none of my friends are really traveling. And I said, well, Caesar, why don't you join the team and let's go travel? Um, it, Caesar actually shed a tear on the phone and, and has been one of our nearest and dearest friends since then and, and has outsold everyone else on the team combined, um, surprisingly. And actually, Brian was his best man in his wedding this past December. Um, so we, we meet people on our team. They become friends. They become like... Um, kind of like family to us. And I think when you have that connection with people, um, kind of like with Wally, um, you know, his wife, Suzanne, she is fantastic. But when you know people like that and, and they would approach someone like you and you say, oh, you know, I'm looking for a gun. Those people are willing to take the time to help their friends out. So, you know what? Brian and Tiffany are good people. They have this business. I have the gun. It runs great. They'll stop. They'll take the time to do that rather than what I see is more of a superficial relationship that a lot of shooters have with, 
different companies where they're dealing with a marketing manager or not necessarily, you know, because there's much larger companies, but dealing with us, it's a little bit more genuine, mm-hmm. um, so to speak. And we prefer to keep it that way. See, now I was debating on if I was going to come over and talk to you when I was in Georgia at that state match. And I just wanted to talk about the honcho. But I felt like if I would have done that, I wouldn't have shot the rest of the day because I, I could sit there and talk to you for like two, three hours <laughs> just about shooting and the gun. But um, I was sitting there. You was, you was in the, um, the four-wheeler, but it was three people around you. So I was like, maybe they're talking business. Well, I'll leave No, we were, we were probably talking about something really dumb. It, it, <laughs> it wasn't anything real important. It, it was probably, you know, someone had probably crop dusted somebody else or done something like close to. <laughs> yeah, and, and and we always tell people anytime if, if if there's a PT shirt on, if it's me, if it's Brian, you know, come up, say hey, say hi, you know, introduce yourself. And a lot of people I talk to on the phone, and then I see them in person, they're like, yeah, do you remember me? And I'm like, uh, can you talk longer? I, it might come back to me if you talk a little bit longer. But I always say, like, you know, come up, hey, it's 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 me. We've talked, you know, kind of about this. We love meeting customers. Um, we we love being able to talk about our products or you know, what's going on with the coronavirus or, or whatever the, the subject is. We just, you know, we're not at work that day. We're, we're out. Um, typically the weather's halfway nice. We're able to talk to people and, and, and kind of connect with the shooting community and, and we, we enjoy it. Nice. Well, like I said, I am actually saving up to get a honcho and I'm hit the race shop up. It's going to be a limited Honcho. Honcho. <laughs> and uh, Tom actually said to me this past weekend, like he was like, you're going to do it, but you're going to go ahead and get that dot soon. And I was like, we'll see. We will see. <laughs> All right. But the, the great part is you can always, you can always add it. The, the good part about that is the, the thread technology is what lets you kind of add mounts and stuff afterwards. Um, so we actually took that, we borrowed that from, uh, it's not our technology. We call it the honcho tech, but um, not actually our technology. It was patented a really long time ago. Um, it was actually used a lot by NASA and is used by uh, medical companies, which is how we kind of have knowledge of it is our background in aerospace and, and medical parts. So for NASA sending spaceships into outer space, Loctite doesn't really work. So they had to have a way of things staying together. So they came up with this technology. Same thing with implants um, into your body. They can't really put Loctite in your body to to make these screws stay in. Um, So they use a similar technology. The tooling for it, um, the gauges for it are extremely expensive. Um, So we had quite an investment in in getting that going, but we thought it was something that needed to be done in the firearms platform. So it made, and it also made sense with the Honcho because it made it interchangeable. So the thread technology is actually in the female end. So a lot of people kind of panic and they're like, well, what if I lose one of the screws? Well, don't panic. It's a standard size screw. You can get them from McMaster car um, and, and they work you know, just fine. Um, so it, it is on the female end and that's what allows you to attach and, and remove rear optic plates, um, putting on rear iron sights in the back. Um, we are hearing, we aren't 100% guaranteeing this as of yet, but all of the guys on the team and most of our customers are actually saying, if if you put the frame mount on with a red dot on it and you zero it, you take that off, put your 40 caliber barrel in, put the iron sight on the back, shoot it for a while, you put the optic frame mount back on the side, torque it back down to 20 inch pounds, 
that it is in fact holding zero. Hmm. And y'all haven't proven that yet or? Well, not really. Enough people are saying that we can say that it's probable that it'll do that. <laughs> but you know, that one time we say we guarantee that it does it, you know, Timmy's going to call me up and say, hey, I did this and it's, you know, an eighth of an inch low into the left. Right. A lot of that depends on the shooter too. But um, for all intents and purposes, it, it is holding zero as long as it's torqued back to the same specs. Now, I want to say I heard that conversation. Tom was talking to somebody about the honcho and the open configuration, and he was talking about changing the gun from limited back to open. Mm -hmm. And he stated that he zeroed the dot went to limited, came back and it held. I heard him say it, but I didn't jump in the conversation. But when he said that, he was like, I was actually impressed by that. And I had to call to verify that. <laughs> after he said that, I walked off. So I didn't hear the rest of the conversation. Yeah, the guys on the team are, are saying, you know, you should tell people what's doing this. And I thought, I can't guarantee it. Because if I say it, trust me, there'll be, there'll be at least 20 people holding my feet to the fire. Yeah. So that is that is remarkable, though. That is very remarkable. So now, do y'all plan on doing any type of upgrades to the way it looks, the honcho? Um, we we offered another set of slide cuts, um, standard ones. Um, actually, the Sanders cuts um, was for Steven Sanders designed those, and that was mm -hmm. that was a little bit of a holdup with getting the honcho out um, for the launch. Was we couldn't decide on slide cuts. Um, there are a lot, I won't say a lot, there's a few companies out there that like to copy certain styles of slide cuts from other companies, um, which we don't believe in at all. We believe be yourself, be original. You know, if you're going to put something out there, make it yours. And so what we wanted to do, because we have this background in machining and we have all this fancy equipment, we wanted to come up with a slide cut that couldn't very easily be copied, um, which is what we've done. Um, there's been... One company um, that, that's tried to copy it, they failed miserably at it, um, didn't even look close, um, but they did try. So that's kind of why we had the Sanders cuts um, was for that reason. We came up with the standard cuts, primarily because the Sanders cuts are kind of so involved, they take a lot of time. Um, I think just on the slide cuts, I believe we're close to an hour and a half in machining time just to put the slide cuts in for the Sanders cuts. So. We offered the standard cuts as another option, um, and it was also a lot faster um, to be able to put those in. Um, so it makes it cheaper as well, because um, in our world, everything's based off of time and materials. Right. So that's how we price everything. That's how we do it. Um, in the future, if if we come up with something that may work, we may have, you know, add another option to be able to do is offer more options in the race shop, um, slide cuts, different, different things different to always keep it evolving and keep it keep it fresh so we definitely step up um, as far as their um, coming from us will be the full launch um, of the carry model is, is coming it's changed grips so that it won't snag on clothes or the next thing coming out from Hmm. Then what can this be um, be looked at to actually hit the market roundabout? Um, we are hoping to have and actually offer and available for ordering um, probably by June. Hmm. Okay. 
Wow. That's that's gonna be different. <laughs> wow, that's gonna be very yeah, that's gonna be very different. All right. So now let me ask you this. Um if people want to contact you and ask questions about the honcho or need to go where they need to go to order it, how can they do this? Um, they can always call us. Um, typically someone answers, someone doesn't answer. Um, we are kind of a, a family owned business. We actually had some people who thought we were kind of like this big, large corporation with the whole call center. If you called in, um, typically if you call in, you get me, um, Taylor, Felici, um, Devin's usually there. Um, typically you get one of us, um, the answer the phone. If we don't answer, we may be on another call um, or someone may be, you know, setting the something, we're out kind of calming the guys down. Um, but um, typically we answer, we always return phone calls. Um, so leave a message, we get back to people. Um, the race shop can be accessed um, on our website. There's a whole page there that has a builder. It shows you what options you're adding and what the cost associated with that is. Um, down at the bottom, it does give you a total. So you can kind of mess around with different options and try to meet a certain price point that you're wanting to get. Um, so you can do um, do that there. And you're always welcome. You know, anyone can call in, send us a message um, through social media pages. Um, most people usually figure out how to find me somewhere um, and they can send me messages as well. And, and we try to help and try to get back to people as soon as we can. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, what about Facebook, Instagram? Twitter. Yep. Facebook, Instagram. I'm uh, not doing much on the Twitter. I've got uh, Devin's kind of running all of our social media stuff right now. So if, if you're on social media and you send a message, more than likely um, you've, you've got Devin there. So feel free to harass him um, and ask him crazy questions just to just just to give him something to do some days. So um, do that, which is um, pretty awesome. You know, he's a shooter. Um, he's a junior national champion. He's been shooting for a number of years. Um, is very knowledgeable. Nice. Okay. So um, I really do appreciate you coming on to the M-W Tactical Podcast to talk about the honcho and your past and how you got started into the gun industry. And anytime you want to come back on to the M-W Tactical Podcast, you are more than welcome, especially when you come out with that carry pistol. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. Okay. Um, um, hold tight, and we're going to go ahead and have a few words from our sponsors. What's up, good people? Thank you for taking the time and listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. Please go visit the M-W Tactical store at www.m-wtactical.com forward slash store and help support our efforts by purchasing a shirt or two. If you haven't done so, go follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for M-W Tactics. Hey, this is Brian Conley at Hunter's HD Gold. If you've never tried Hunter's HD Gold, then I challenge you to find me at a match next year. Go to the website under scheduled events, find out where I'm going to be. Come meet me in person and demo a pair for yourself. Find out why shooters across the United States are changing the Hunter's HD Gold to get 43% more light to their eyes, better contrast, eyes that are not fatigued at the end of the day based on the, the colors that we use, and find out the real meaning of why they change so you don't have to. So check us out on our website, huntershdgold.com, and I look forward to seeing you at the range soon. The Gun Cleaners. Our solvent is, I think, second to none. Our lube is second to none. Their lube's heavier than water. 
which is just a huge thing. People don't really put a lot of thought into that, just how huge that is to have on your gun, especially if you still carry. The gun cleaners. Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, you're going to sweat a lot of the other lubes off. With ours, it'll stay there. The gun cleaners. And maintaining the quality of the process, the quality of the end result, is another. And you guys are able to do both with the process that you have there. Order your supply of the lube and the solvent at www.theguncleaners.com. Thank you for taking the time to hang out with us on the M-W Tactical Podcast. Remember, a new podcast comes out every Tuesday. If you cannot wait for Tuesday, go and listen to past episodes to catch up on what you missed. Make sure you visit www.m-wtactical.com and see what all is offered on the site where you can't even purchase M-W Tactical Apparel. But please go to our Facebook and Instagram page and follow us on our journey in the sport of competition shooting and the realm of the 2A community. Until next week, keep shooting, keep practicing, and have fun.